Hi, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of More Crofts Means Business, brought to you by More Crofts. For those who don't know, a law firm based in the Thames Valley, specialising in corporate, commercial, commercial property and employment. My name is Matt Jenkin. I look after the employment team there. Um, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Val King from BFG Associates, wonderfully stands for business as a force for good, which really did make me smile when I read it. Um, and Val helps existing business owners decide on the best ownership and exit process for them when they're looking perhaps at deciding to um, uh, exit their business. Um, and if they decide to sell to employees, then Val helps um, business owners navigate that whole process. Um, really interestingly, though, prior to BFG, Val led the Reflight Company, which was sold to its employees in March 2019. So Val is well experienced in sort of um, employee ownership issues, which is what we're going to look at today. And I know is a huge advocate for employee ownership as a potential way for business owners to exit a business. So welcome, Val. Hi there, Matt. Thank you for having me. Oh, wonderful. I'm really glad you could join us. So for those who don't know, because it's not it's not as familiar perhaps with some of the other ownership models or sale models where business owners look to exit and perhaps it's a trade sale or an MBO. So what is the um, employment ownership, the employee ownership model? So Matt, there, there are three different types of models, um, which I can sum up quite quickly. There's direct ownership where the employees own shares. There is the employee ownership trust model. So that's like um, John Lewis, which is 100% owned by a trust. No one actually owns shares. And then there's a hybrid model, which is a mix of both, both um, direct ownership and employee ownership trust ownership. And it was the third that we chose. So we sold 60% of our business to an employee ownership trust. Okay, so different ways of, of, of doing that, but all all would see some employee involvement ultimately. Absolutely. Whichever, whichever yeah. route you go down. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, for, for, for those who, who, who aren't that familiar with the route, what, what are the advantages for business owners who are looking to sell for the employee uh, ownership model? So there are several advantages. Um, one of them, which um, for lawyers and accountants will prick their ears up, I think, is to uh, is the CGT exemption. So capital gains tax, if you sell to an employee ownership trust over 51%, then the exiting business owner does not pay any capital gains tax, which may become even more attractive if it does go up next year, which is the, the rumour I hear. Um, so that's one advantage. Yeah, I think we're all expecting CGT to to go up and be, you know, certainly impact on business owners even more than at the moment, perhaps those, those who are looking to sell. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and in terms of, I suppose, where does that money come from? Is it a question of um, uh, effectively there's some bank borrowings um, and then that's repaid through the employee ownership trust over time? Yes, yeah, so over time, but before, before I answer that, could I just um, talk about a couple of the other benefits? Oh, yeah, uh, yes. of course. Yeah, let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> 
so the um, a couple of other benefits. Um, firstly, if if you're thinking about a legacy, if you if you've set up your business and you're you, it's it's part of part of what you believe in, and and in our case it was values led culture and innovation, then um, you have a much better chance of of actually having a legacy in in the new structure. And that can be written into the trust deed, which, which is set up as part of the Employee Ownership Trust. Uh, a, third, a third benefit is uh, employee engagement. So you can imagine that with um, people with either direct or indirect ownership, they are much more engaged in the business, much more interested because they have, as some people put it, skin in the game. And so they, they feel much more part of, of the business. And for most businesses nowadays, especially for those people who are working at home, to get people motivated and engaged and really feel part of something is a, is a huge advantage. And so that's that's seen as the the EO dividend, and that is that is um, actually um, a recent study at the beginning of this year, so pre-COVID, but uh, in, I think it came out in January from Leeds University, showed uh, a distinct advantage of uh, sales performance, profit performance, engagement, um, it, compared to non-EO companies. Wow, and I think certainly at the moment, kind of employee engagement in the age of COVID, where we're all or a lot of us are working remotely, is probably the holy grail. So anything that's going to help organisations reach that employee engagement levels, which they want, I'm sure will be sure will be really welcome. Mm. Um, I, I, and it was really interesting what you're saying on that kind of um, legacy. Um, I was watching a, 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 a video on, I think it's, it's the Employee Ownership Association website, um, mm -hmm. and they, they showed um, a, a family business, a cash and carry business that had sold, um, and legacy was really an important issue for them in yeah. terms of wanting to keep that family element, that that sort of, I think they called himself a benevolent employer, which, which yeah. I understand where they're coming from, but I guess for some, I guess for lots of business owners, that's really important. Yeah, it is. In fact, uh, um, at EO Boost, which was an Employee Ownership Association online conference, I, I did a session with Dave Sproxton, who is the founder, the co-founder of Ardman Animations. And you can imagine that that he and his partner Dave could could um, sorry Peter could have had a lot of offers. They did have a lot of offers from DreamWorks, from you know various Hollywood studios. But they knew that if they sold to Hollywood or elsewhere, there, the whole ethos of Ardman would have gone. The, all of the people who worked in Bristol, which um, is where they're based, would all of that would have been gone. And their their legacy in terms of the of what Wallace and Gromit is and all of those lovely great great cartoons would have gone with it. So that's why they chose an employee ownership trust as a, an ownership model. Yeah, it's interesting that the kind of it's it's that legacy became more important than than just purely the driven by cash. By cash, yeah, exactly, yeah. And it's not as if they won't get anything for it. They will, no. yeah, <laughs> they will be valued, I'm sure. Um, but the um, the they did have cash in the business, and and I don't know the arrangements of of payment. But in our case, we chose to get paid over eight years. So that's how. So we had our business valued, just like in any other business. And the three major um, criteria for for evaluation is that it's fair, robust, and defendable. So it has to be defended. So I, I wouldn't. I would be um, unhappy if the valuation was not fair, defendable, and robust. And that's what it was. And we were very happy with the valuation as it turned out. So what what started you and your your shareholders on that employee ownership journey? Why not just 
the traditional models? What attracted you to, to, to this model particularly? So Pete and I, so Pete started the company, he's an architect, and then I, I took over as managing director about 20 years ago because he wanted to go back into architecture. Most architects don't want to run businesses. So, um, yeah, so Pete and I uh, actually had been approached by a competitor. And I think it was then that we knew that the competitor, they were nice guys, you know, they, I'm sure they, they run their own business well, but we knew that most of the um, production would go to, we run a manufacturing business and it would have gone to Poland. So we knew that most people, most of our employees would lose their jobs. And we also knew that any of the values led culture that we had um, inculcated into the business would be gone. And, and I think it was at that point we thought, no, this is just not for us. So um, we looked at uh, a management buyout, but there, there wasn't that appetite for it. And so employee ownership really was for us the optimum future ownership structure. And um, how did the, I'm always interested in this, how did the employees react to it? Did they Because sometimes employees, I think, can react with a great deal of cynicism whenever employers try and tell them they've got some good news for them. Um, but how did, how did they view it all? Well, in some ownership journeys, employee ownership journeys, um, their employees are included in the process of leading up to the, the employee ownership deal, so to speak. We decided not to tell employees until we were ready and had all the ducks lined up. So we choreographed, I think that it does sound a bit manipulative, but we choreographed the day of the announcement. It was on the 23rd of January last year. It happened to be my birthday, so I remember it well. And... Um, what we did was to make sure that uh, we had a lot of FAQs ready for them to answer. And in fact, we told the directors first and then we went, the directors and, and, and a whole bunch of us went to the employership conference. Then we, then we told the managers and then we told the rest of the employees. But we made sure that there was clarity as much as possible to the, um, the whole, every aspect of the deal. And anything that they asked, we either didn't know or we told them. And beforehand, before that, we had had great transparency in any case. We, we um, informed all employees about the profits, um, everything, everything about the business. So I think being tra as transparent as possible is, is important. And to make sure that you, you do it in the, in the most um, informative way and open way. So that's how we did it, and they reacted really well. By the way, sorry, oh, with your question, <laughs> no, I'd, I'd expect them to. But apparently, it doesn't land always. Doesn't always land well, and that's what I learned from the EOA conference. That, and that's what made me so determined to do the project as as effectively as possible, and to make sure that we 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 didn't just jump into work and say, "Hey guys, we're selling the business to you," because people don't like change. They want to know um, what the what's in it for me. What's is my job going to change? What what changes? And do I have additional responsibilities? Is one of the key questions that you do get from employees. Yeah, my experience of any change program in an employment environment is you cannot do enough communication. You need to communicate, communicate, and communicate. Yeah. Having yeah. FAQs. Yeah. I, I, and also, if you don't know the answer to something, say you don't know the answer to something and, and go back with the answer when you do know it. Don't exactly. don't try and bluff it. It's, it's probably a, a, a really good starting point for anyone who's looking at a change process. And, and how's the business doing at the moment? You've been so what, out how long now? Nearly 
nearly yeah. 12 months. So, um, no, in fact, March it was one week before lockdown is when oh, I handed wow. over to our, our operations director. We did actually recruit externally as well, but we ended up recruiting, um, appointing internally. And do you know, Matt, is um, the honest truth is it's doing really well. And every now and again, and this would be for any exiting business owner, you kind of get a niggle. You're doing really well without me, is, is the in in brackets. But they are doing extremely well, and um, the business is, is is obviously not in the same, not quite the same level of of sales as last year, but get, but really very close. And and I have to say that the um, the, the 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 both into all the indicators are that, that they're doing extremely well. And do you think, uh, you know, I, again, every podcast that I've done in, uh, over the last few months, COVID inevitably crops up. Do you think the business was, was better positioned as a result to deal with COVID because I suppose those employees had more skin in the game than perhaps it would have been in other times? Yeah, I'm, I'm without a doubt. Um, I think the... The one thing was we had plenty of cash. And in fact, one of the, the in this survey that started in the year, 66% of uh, EO companies are debt free. So that makes a huge difference when you've got that runway and you don't have to panic about running out of cash. So that's one, one element which was very important. And that was part of our deal. We didn't want to take all the cash out of the business so that there was no runway should things get tough, which they did in March and April and May, it was, it was tough. So there was that element. If you have cash in the business, that's a good thing. But secondly, the the the, the greater collaboration and coordination was 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 much was really in evidence when when Steve took over, and that made a huge difference. And we had to go through redundancies. It wasn't as if you know a lot of people say, "Oh, what happens when bad things happen in an employee-owned business?" Exactly the same things happen. Leadership has to lead. And they have to take the tough decisions and, and just go on with it. And do you have any involvement at all? Do you, do you sit on the board or an advisory capacity or anything? So, so yes, I'm on the, the board of trustees. I, I, okay. I deliberately constructed it so that I wouldn't be chair of trustees and I deliberately decided not to become chair. I thought um, it's best just to exit and exit cleanly because I've heard um, some negative stories about uh, former owners meddling in the business and it usually isn't great for the the employees who who are who are actually getting on with the, the job of, of running the business and do you, do you miss that day-to-day involvement or um if i'm really honest um not that much <laughs> in the sense that um, it was it, uh, obviously when you're selling a business and doing the job of managing director, it is not easy. And there were many points when it was stressful. One thing I have to say is that I knew I was on the right path. And so that was a good thing to know. I knew we'd made the right decision, but it was quite stressful lining everything up for me to exit, making sure that the, the appointment was right. I also was appointing a sales and marketing director. There was some restructuring needing to be done. And so it was a re- I was my head was full. So to be honest, I feel uh, and especially with COVID, and in fact, Dave Sproxton and I both said this: we feel we dodged a bullet. Is the honest answer. And I've, t- I've said that to Steve. <laughs> I think uh, you know, and he's he's doing a great job. Oh, fantastic! That's really good to hear. And would you, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? But would you do anything differently in your employee ownership journey, or you know, did it go? as smoothly as you can you can expect these things to go 
it went as smoothly as I thought. There's, there are no big regrets. I, I really don't have any. Part of me thinks I would have liked to have involved, especially the leadership team earlier. Um, but there were, we were a lot was going on in the business, and and for me, I, I just had that element of control. Um, I think that that I admire people who actually get everyone involved right from the beginning. But it does mean that you've you've got a bit of a three ring circus going on and lots of expectations. And I, I just didn't like the idea of that. But um, I, I, I have to say that and that's another element of selling to, uh, to an employee ownership trust is that you've got much more control compared to a trade sale, for example, because in a trade sale, anything can happen especially at the very last minute, even an MBO, you know, funding can, can change, you know, I, you, you'll know more about this than, than I do, um, that things, things can change, but whereas with the EOT, everything, you, you, you have more control because you're, you're a willing buyer and a willing seller. Because I, I was becoming, I was going to become an employee of the, of the newly formed employee ownership trust. So yeah, so no yeah. big regrets at all. Yeah, certainly. If you speak to my my colleagues in the corporate team, um, that uh, you know, there's no such thing. I think as a done deal sometimes on 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 trade sales because, as you say, anything can happen. The market can change, funding can change, um, things crop up. Um, you know, that that I know affect that. So that idea of having a bit, I know for the professional advisors out there who are listening, the idea of having a little bit more control within a sale process, I'm sure, would go would, would go down well. Um, and and I know at the moment you're you're you are banging the drum for employee ownership. I've heard you speak yeah. a number of times. I think I think that 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 that's fantastic. Do you get any sense as to a, a momentum shift in in kind of people's thoughts on um, employee ownership? Because I know you know there were organisations. I know people point to John Lewis and things like that. But I think it has. You know, did, did I see something like there's a twenty eight percent increase in yeah, two thousand nineteen? Right. So it, so it's really it, it, some it, momentum there. It is, and but and one of the things I want to try and, and this is one of the reasons why I'm welcome the, the opportunity to talk about it um, with you is, I think a lot of accountants and corporate finance um, professionals are um, are not uh, are a bit wary of it. So what I would like to see is that it's just on the table as one of the options. Um, at the moment, that's far from the case. I would say that it's growing in in um, popularity, but there's still only about five hundred. EO companies in the UK, which um, is a very, very small percentage. So what, uh, what I would like to see is that accountants and, and anyone who is involved in the, in the and, and lawyers clearly um, are, um, are involved in, 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 or rather offering it as an option. It's just one option and it's not for everyone. And part of what I do now is to help um, exiting business owners gain clarity as to which model is right for them because the last thing I want to do is point them down the, the route of employee ownership when it isn't right for them. So I use a business exit audit tool to help them to discern what, what their priorities are, help them get a reality check in their business and then going from a position of I'm not really sure what uh, is the right ownership structure to I actually now know what is the best ownership structure for me and what steps do I have to take to get the best deal that I can for me and the business and that's that's the because it for me hell is indecision lack of clarity not knowing what to do next and heaven is I know what to do next and I know I'm making the right decision yeah I think that kind of brings us back to, to the point you were making right at the outset I, I I suspect with some of the CGT changes that we are going to see that it, at least it'll be on the table you know, yeah. as, as, as an option, and I think something that that, that we 
that we talk about. Um, and you know, if you're if you if you were looking at a business owner sitting in front of you, what what sort of tips would you give them for anyone who's looking at the employee ownership? Is is culture really going to be a key element of it? Having the right culture in place first. Yeah, it's it's absolutely key. If they if they've not thought about their succession plan, if for example they they think just selling to employees will suddenly make the business succeed, then that is not never going to happen. So I think the, the first thing is to think about leadership and succession, who, who would actually take over the job of MD. And there's nothing to stop um, an employee on business or a future employee on business taking on a new MD. We actually looked at um, recruiting from outside and we had 318 applications for my job, which was uh, quite, quite a, a large amount. So I would say that yes, leadership and succession also if you don't have an engaged um, bunch of people working with you and for you, then you need to, you, you either need to do something about it or think about another ownership model. model. Um, I think it's if you if you're not really interested in the motivation engagement of your your people, admit that and just say, OK, maybe a trade sales better, maybe an MBO will be better. Employee ownership is probably not for you. And you know, in, in terms of that reality check for for business owners um it, it's always difficult isn't it because we've all got our own motivations as to what we want out of our, out of the business ultimately but it but do you find anything in terms of when when you're discussing with business owners any common themes that come up in what they're looking to to get out of it or does it all depend on which business owners you're talking to in terms of what they see as as, as their ideal outcome I think what I'm struck by is the variety of, 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 of um, priorities and objectives. And I think what's important is to be honest with yourself as to what you really, um, what is important to you. And, you know, if, for example, maximizing the amount for you, you want for your business is is pointing in the direction of a trade sale you also have to have a good cold look at your business and say will anyone buy it <laughs> so you have to think about i think being trying to be as dispassionate about your business as possible is is the, as if you're um, an observer it would be a good thing the problem i think that when you're a business owner and you're just engulfed by everything that's going on it is very hard to be dispassionate and to to decide what is what you really want because there are so many different aspects to it. I guess it must be quite refreshing for, for business owners who are talking to you because they're talking they're talking to someone who's been through it, um, yeah, yeah. rather than you, you know the the reality of it, rather than just the theory. Yeah, and and it's it's funny when I've been asking these questions during this business ex audit, um, and somebody said to me, "I know what I'd like to say, I know what I'd like to answer." But I just don't think that's true, <laughs> and I suppose that's the whole the whole point of trying to get that clarity is um, you know trying not to kid yourself on, but but also I think that they do they do appreciate the fact that I've been I've been there and I've been in their shoes and it's it's not easy you know you're trying to think beyond and particularly for people whose life is really and their identity and image is is very much part of who they are, is their job and their 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 business owner and managing director status. It is, it's quite hard to think beyond not having that role. And it's, it's a very emotional leap to think to the future. But I can, I can show them that, you know, I'm living and breathing and enjoying myself beyond, beyond the um, exiting of my business. I'm still alive and, and, and in fact, actually feeling more fulfilled. 
That's, I, I think that's a really, really good point because I think a lot of business owners in the, in the wake of the pandemic, like a lot of us are probably just kind of reassessing kind of what we want out of life mm-hmm. um, a little bit more. So it'd be really interesting to see, I think, that the kind of future of some some business sales over the coming year, I think, because yeah. I think... I, I, I do think perhaps business owners will be looking at things slightly differently in what they want to achieve. Yeah, I think I think so. And, and also what is achievable. That's the mm. other thing. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that if you've got a business that isn't doing very well, then, you know, it's it's you know it's not a good situation to be in and but an EOT might be possible and and sometimes I do I think it is important to remember that the potential of your employees is maybe greater than you think it is you know people do step up to the plate um not everyone not everyone's a leader it's not the role for everyone but um but you know some people who you thought oh they were uh, you know weren't exactly showing me that potential before I mentioned this then all of a sudden they're saying yeah you know I, I want to take um, matters into my own hands a bit more. Yeah. Well, it'd be really interesting, I think, perhaps if we do this again in, 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 in six, 12 months' time, just to see yeah. where we've got to with employee ownership. Yeah, now, thanks, thanks so much for joining me today. That was really interesting. I hope it's given anyone listening a snapshot of, of, of employee ownership and what it could do for them and, and, and their business. Um, I'll make sure I'll put a link to, to Val's details in, in the show notes. So I, I'm sure, you know, if you're interested in exploring that, contact Val and I'm sure she, she'll help you on, on that journey. So Val, thank you very much. Not at all.